Well, hey everyone, it's been a long time. Man, um, for those of you who um, have no idea who I am, as uh, Andy said, I'm the third Steve. And so there's Steve Poe, legend, Steve Arterburn, who's written more Bibles um, than anybody I know, and then uh, there's me. And I'm just the Michigan fan who somehow you guys let come back here and mock me for how bad we are. Um, but I missed you all, I missed you all, and I, I, just, I just wanna start, and if you're watching online, um, you know, last time I was here, we were in a series called Made for More, and I was so fired up. I mean, we were like standing up, and we're like, rock, shazak, we're like holding hands, thinking we're redwood trees, I'm in a sleeping bag, wearing like some butterfly Purdue flag on my neck, and like, I leave week five, and I'm feeling so good. I mean, people from Binford and Peru and Kokomo, I mean, people all over and Anderson, they're texting me, they're like kind, you all are kind people. The rest of the world aren't like you and I'm like so good and I, I feel like I just feel so good. I'm like, man, Jesus, you work, thanks be to God. I go to the, the Indianapolis airport, I drop off my, my Hertz car rental, like I got my away bag, I got my bag and I'm, I'm walking, someone sees me in the airport and they're like, rock, shazak, and I'm like, yeah, man. Man, God's good. And like I'm feeling, feeling so amazing. I'm waiting in the line. And like I, I, uh, I'm waiting to like go through TSA. And so I'm standing there and just, I'm thanking God. Because um, I just believe in this church. I'm just thanking God for how he worked. Thanking God that he uses broken people like me. And, and, and TSA agent calls me up and you know, I, I, I just walk in, give them my license, I put my, my app down, which is my ticket, and they walk me through, and so I, I, I head to the little conveyor belt, and I'm taking out my laptop, I put everything in, and I start walking, and all of a sudden I, you know, put my hands up, and uh, it like does the scanner thing, and I walk out, and the TSA agent stops me, and just says, hey, um, we can do this in, a, in another room, or we can do this right here, and I was like, you go to Northview, you got me. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, this is serious. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, um, and I look, and at the monitor, there's like some areas that they need to like check out. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And I've never told anybody this publicly. Um, and I, um, I have this moment, I just feel on top of the world. Never had a series where God worked in such amazing ways. And I'm standing as this TSA agent just says, hey, I'm just gonna have to pat down your everywhere. And I was like, oh, okay. And so my hands are open and he just begins to pat down. And um, in this moment, a memory from my childhood that I am, um, I had never remembered starts to happen as he's just patting me down and I freak out. I have a full-on panic attack because I'm back to a situation where I experienced abuse. 
And so what do I do? I just start to walk away from the TSA agent, which you don't ever do. And the TSA agent goes, sir, and I'm grabbing my shoes to put my shoes on. I'm and they basically grab me. And I'm standing here like, what is going on? On top of the world, and then all of a sudden reality hits. And they're like, sir, we and I, I don't have anything, I promise you. And I'm then my mind going, there's probably someone from Northview going, what is going on? And so everything checks out. I didn't have anything. They let me go. I get to where there's like the old indie cars in the, in, the, in the airport. I just sit down. I call my wife. And I'm like, I don't know what just happened. This memory that was so real and vivid from many, many moons ago hit me in this moment. And all of a sudden, I land in Arizona, and I begin going on this journey to like figure what happened. Now, four or five hours earlier, I was like, we're made for more. And I'm thinking it's about charging. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, this is like internal work. And then three days later, a global pandemic hits. And I'm like, what? And then there's no gatherings. And I'm like, what? And again, just this like, what in the world? And people, you all were like made for more, like made for more in my Zoom room. Like you all started texting me and messaging me and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And I, I don't know if you felt this, but in those first like few months, you just watched almost people begin to escape. Alcohol sales went skyrocketing. And people just didn't have one glass of wine, they had more than one bottle. You watch pharmaceutical drugs skyrocket. Pornography skyrocket. All of these escapes began to skyrocket and it was in this like moment where I just felt like for many of us, we were being exposed for where we had put our faith. The things that we really ran to when it got difficult. And Jesus began to show me some stuff. And Jesus began to bring some stuff to the surface that I was like, oh my goodness. My wife and I, we bought a little cabin um, uh, like a month after COVID hit. And this cabin, it was just a mess. And we just thought, hey, why not? We can't go anywhere. Let's just start fixing up this place. Drop down ceilings, green, blue carpet, old school kitchen, like... And I, I'll promise you, nothing gives me more anxiety than pulling into the Home Depot parking lot. Because I literally, I'm like, I'm not a man. They all know it. Like, I walk in and they're like, this guy has no idea. And I'm, I, I'm like trying to act like Captain Makita, but I don't know what a tool is. And so every time I'm walking into Home Depot, I just pray to God. Would one of those kind, kind people in an orange apron show me the way? And they always do. And so I just started watching YouTube videos and we just started destroying and gutting this house. And there was this moment when um, I thought it would be smart to take down an entire drop down ceiling. Um, it's not smart. Um, but what happened was so powerful because all of the ceilings were blocking the light, the natural light 
that this house had. The bones were good. It just, some of the stuff inside didn't make sense. And there was, in this moment, when I'm working on the floors, I drop down ceilings, tore down. It's like atrocious. All of a sudden, I could see this light coming in. Yes, Lord. And um, I see this whole entire like roof, I mean the ceiling down and like I'm sitting here and this light's coming in and like I just felt like Jesus just said, this is what I've been trying to do. So let more light in to your heart. And 2020 became this renovation internally. And I became so fascinated with spiritual formation because at the end of my life here on this planet, my hope is that I've helped people get closer to the way of Jesus. I've hoped that people would be able to go, man, I want the word of God. I want to live by faith. I want to live as Christ lived. I want to be like Christ. But so often, so often there are these moments where I just feel like we just drift. We drift. And COVID was this moment where I feel like so many of us just drifted. We ran to something else than God's best. And so here today is like my best, I don't know what's happening. All right, can we give it up for Taylor right now? Just the legends, they'll help me. Oh, there's a mic right there. Uh-oh, check, check. Online, thanks for hanging in. Now, um, here's the thing that I want you to see, is what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk you through this whole concept of formation, because deep down, I hope that we would become the kind of people that are shaped and formed more into the likeness of Christ. And there was this one passage from Hebrews chapter six, verse 19, that says this, we have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And I started to think about this, because an anchor, is incredible. When you have an anchor, you have this ability to literally just like kind of place something down in the ground. And if you've ever been around Lake Michigan, you've seen these massive boats that are being able to just stay put and not drift because of an anchor. And yet, when I found myself watching so many sincere Christ followers in the midst of COVID, it was almost as if they were just walking from their anchor. They might be able to sing about the anchor. They might actually be someone who's like, man, I just love Jesus. But when like push came to shove, when temptation was at the front door, it was literally like they had forgotten this sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. And I realized something. I realized for each and every one of us, if we're gonna be people who literally meet the demands of reality, we gotta have an anchor that can hold in any and every situation. And I truly believe that Christ, that Jesus is the best way for that to happen. What's amazing is in the book of John, there was two visions that came. And one of those visions we see in John 10, 10, says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So two visions in one verse. The first vision is this enemy, and the enemy is really, really clear about what he wants to do. I want to steal. I want to steal the goodness that you have. I want to steal the innocence that you have. I want to steal 
the dreams that you have. But I don't just want to steal it. They literally build. I want to kill it. I want to kill the hope that you have. I want to kill the desires that are good that you have. But I don't just want to steal and kill. I literally want to destroy. In the original language, it literally meant like so that there would be no legacy. No legacy. Nothing to hand down. And Jesus is saying the enemy's got a vision for your life. And when you do not have an anchor, this enemy begins to say, I just want to try and steal. I just want to, I just want to just try and steal. And little by little, you just start to drift towards something other than Christ. But Jesus, Jesus so beautifully says, I got a vision too. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love this. As Jesus is offering up, saying, hey, hey, you, you have a choice. You can actually enter into this drifting away where someone's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Or Jesus is saying, I have come that you would have life and life to the full, life overflowing, life filled with abundance. And Jesus isn't speaking this from like a place of like breakdown or emotionally tired or drained. He's speaking it from a place of overflow. And he's inviting every single one of us into this. But the question is how? This is the question I've wrestled with. How do we be the kind of people when literally we're having to deal with so much struggle in our world, how do we be the kind of people who live with this steadfast hope, this anchor for our soul, some people who don't drift over here or have the goodness stolen? How do we be people who are true disciples that are overflowing? How, how, how? And this is what 2020 taught me. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna share this with you. And I wanna teach you what Dallas Willard, who is this amazing teacher, he passed a number of years ago, and he was someone I just uh, thought the world of. Had a few times the, the chance to, to get to know him and learn from him, but he had something called the Vim. And Vim was this diagram, Vim was this kind of formation process, and Vim, literally these three words, vision, intention, and means. I'm gonna come back to this. Vision, intention, and means. And vision's really, really important. And vision really is one God inspired way to be more like Jesus. Let's just think about this right now. In our world right now, do you think we could all grow a little bit more in the fruit of the Spirit? Easy yes. Easy yes. I mean, just go on Facebook and just literally, as you type, just as I type on Facebook often, I'm just literally praying, I wish there was more of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit on Facebook. I used to dream that I had the superpower to read people's minds, and then I got Facebook, and I don't want that anymore. <laughs> so much anger, right? But if we're actually gonna be people who have this, this anchor, this sure and steadfast hope in Christ that doesn't drift, that we don't allow the goodness and the innocence and the beauty and the fruit of the Spirit to be stolen and killed and destroyed, how do we do it? Well, we gotta have a vision. We gotta have a vision, and it's literally like you've gotta write this out. It's gotta become so practical for you. And so in 2020, I was talking to a buddy of mine, 
and his name's TJ Addington. We were talking about this. Man, I just want to grow. I want to be shaped and formed more like Jesus. And we started writing, and, and we came up with this phrase that a life anchored in Jesus, you have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. And if you know me, I am competitive, I want to achieve, I want to prove that I actually deserve to be on the court, and literally, as God was at work in me saying, if you want to be more like my son, then you got to live a life that's anchored in Jesus, and a life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. And I'm telling you what, friends, if you can hear what I'm trying to say, I'm going to try and make this as practical as possible, because I hope that this week, you're literally writing your own vim, your own vision for like how you can grow in one of the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want one, steal this one. But literally, you've got to have a vision that you're going to say, this is actually going to help me live more in line with the way of Jesus, especially when a world is trying to steal, kill, and destroy my faith. So how? What I came to realize, though, is what's so amazing is that often underneath vision is this idea of intention. And intention really is kind of this, this sense of every day we are kind of thrown with different choices. I mean, you have choices. You're in a, a conversation and someone's saying something to you and in your mind, all of these cynical responses are coming to mind that you can say. Or these judgmental things are coming to mind that you can say. And sometimes we allow just what Dallas would call the impulsive will. And the impulsive will is just where you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. And so you literally let go of the anchor, this sure and steadfast anchor, the hope of your soul, Jesus, in that moment. Because you know what? I just want to say what I want to say. And I don't care who it hurts. Or I want to be right in this moment. So I'm going to type whatever I want to type. Or I'm going to put that person on blast because they deserve to be put on blast. Or I'm going to attack this person. Or I'm going to actually stop talking to this person. Why? Because all of a sudden this impulsive will begins to come up and you just do what you want to do. And I don't know about you, have you ever had one of those moments where you were like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? It's literally like in that moment, I chose to let go of the anchor and I just said, I'm gonna say what I wanna say. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna escape how I wanna escape. I'm gonna numb out how I wanna numb out. And the enemy's going, yes, gotcha, gotcha. But Dallas Willard would say there's another kind of will that he calls the reflective will. And the reflective will is where you reflect and ponder on what will truly help me live in Christ. So in this moment, you recognize in the marketplace or when you're on Zoom and you're talking to your boss and there's something that you want to say but you go, is this actually gonna help me stay anchored to Christ or is this about me? And you begin to reflect and you ponder, is this literally going to help me live out my vision? A vision for me, a life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. And if that's the case, then if I say this, then I'm literally choosing to let go of the anchor or by reflecting and pondering on it, I'm like, it's not worth me saying that. 
because I'm living a life anchored in Christ. And literally, by beginning to slow it all down, think it all through, something is beginning to happen within me. And it's possible for you. The thing I've realized is nobody just drifts towards holiness. Nobody just drifts to faithfulness. Nobody just drifts to one day going, the craziest thing happened. I woke up and I'm Billy Graham. It doesn't happen. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes you having to actually say, I'm gonna go against the impulsive will or the flesh and I'm not gonna give that power in my life and I'm gonna reflect how my choices are in alignment or out of alignment with the way of Christ and then I'm gonna choose. But Dallas takes it even farther and he says what's crazy is underneath the impulsive will and the reflective will is what he calls the embodied will. And the embodied will is the muscle memory that builds up over time due to your actions. So for instance, some of you grew up in a home where your, your dad came home. And he came home and he parked in the garage and maybe there was only one car garage at this time and the garage door opened straight down to the basement and he went right down to the basement and there was the, the washing machine and there was a shower and he showered and then he like would come back up and before he sat down at the table, he would open the refrigerator and he'd grab a beer. And he would drink that as he read the paper and then he'd go back to the refrigerator, grab another beer, he'd drink that, he'd drink another one, he's three beers down before you actually have dinner. And then the next day he did the same thing. And the next day he did the same thing. And the next day he did the same thing. And what Dallas is saying is this is like the embodied will. This is like the muscle memory. We all have it. Some of us, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is we grab our phone. We go to Instagram. We go to Twitter. We have this embodied will. We have this muscle memory. And what Dallas says is you can do this with impulsive will that can literally lead you farther and farther from the way of Christ, but the embodied will can also help you live deeply with Jesus. So when you choose to be patient, when you choose to be gentle, when you choose to live with faithfulness, when you choose to actually have self-control over time, you actually begin to become that kind of person, but it takes intentionality. And in this past year, I've been seeing that up close. I've been seeing how, man, if I'm gonna live my life that has nothing to prove and nothing to lose and nothing to hide, then I gotta make decisions that are actually gonna help me live out that vision. And every day I have a choice. I have a choice in a conversation where, man, just prove yourself, just prove yourself. Hey, man, hold on, get scarcity. You don't, you don't wanna lose everything. I mean, overnight in March, so many conferences and speaking engagements, and all of a sudden I could feel the fear but if I'm living with fear, I feel like I have something to lose, but in the kingdom of God, if you don't have, you have nothing to lose because you got Jesus. And all of a sudden I began to realize, man, there's something so powerful when you have a clear vision and you're actually choosing to live with intentionality towards that vision. If you don't have that vision, you're like a boat out in Lake Michigan just drifting. You might know some facts about Jesus, but when push comes to shove, that anchor, will it hold? And Dallas talks about vision, he talks about intention, and then underneath it, he talks about this idea, literally, of intention is our personal decision to overcome and become. This is you choosing this. But underneath that is what he calls means. 
And means are so beautiful because it's a specific method and practice to shape, form, and help you live out your vision. Because it's one thing just to say it. I want to live a life with nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. I want to live this life so anchored in Jesus. I want to live a life with intention where I'm building this muscle memory, this embodied will because of the reflective choices I'm making. But it doesn't just happen. I need to practice it. I literally need to create practices in my life that are literally going to help me actually not try to prove because I have some 40-some years trying to prove. Or I've got 40 years of learning how to hide and manage. I actually need some practices that are going to help me step into the light. Does this make sense? And really what I want you to see is these practices began to change me. I was with a mentor. And he was uh, wrapping up his run in ministry. About 30 of us decided to go out and throw him a party. We wanted to honor him for who he was, what he meant to us. It's super late at night. It's during the whole COVID season. We're in a park. We're spread out. The lights go out. The sprinklers go on. It was not very well planned, and I was the one planning it, so it was not great. But I had asked people to share a story. And so a couple of people who came, I didn't know who they were. And one guy, one guy said, hey, this guy is my best friend. He pointed at this mentor of mine. And he said, you know, eight years ago, he called me and he said, hey, I want to call you every morning at 6 a.m. And I want to confess to you. And this guy was like, wait, what? You want to call me at 6 a.m.? Nobody calls me at 6 a.m. He goes, yeah, yeah, but, but what if every Monday through Friday we called each other and we literally confessed our sin to one another? And I was like, what? I've never heard of that. I was like flabbergasted that people would actually get up at 6 a.m. and pick up the phone and call somebody. And then the guy said, for the last seven years, ever since I finally said yes that we've been doing this, we've only missed a handful of days but that simple practice and hearing you say to me that I'm forgiven for my sins and me being able to say that to you has made me become more like Jesus. And these guys are in their 60s. And I'm walking away going, these guys in their 60s want more of Jesus than I do. And I've just turned it into a competition, which I always do. But I had this moment as I was walking back and I was like, that's incredible. And so I start calling my friend who was with me, and I said, hey, isn't that wild that those two, 6 a.m., like, what if, what if we tried that? And so we tried for the month of September. We woke, up, woke each other up. I missed three of the calls because I overslept. But we started to confess. Why? Because if I want to live a life anchored in Jesus, a life that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide, then I actually can't just say it. I literally got to create a practice where I'm literally confessing so I'm not hiding. We don't drift towards patience. We don't drift towards faithfulness. We don't drift towards loving our neighbor. We have to be the kind of people who put it in practice. And so what I really want to do is I just want to spend a few moments and I just want to walk you through why I think nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide was so moving to me and so biblical. And then as I'm doing this, 
I want you to be thinking about your vision, about maybe you actually choosing to live with intention and intentionality to live out your vision, and I want you to think about some means and methods and practices that can help you become more like Jesus. So, nothing to prove. And when I think about nothing to prove, it takes me right to the scriptures and it takes me to the Corinthians. And in Corinthians, uh, you see, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Just real quick. Sometimes I have to like read a passage multiple times. My grace is all you need. But if I'm really honest, sometimes I just need that person's affirmation. My grace is all you need. But sometimes, 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 I just need that person's validation. My grace is all you need. But sometimes, 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 I just need that person to see me in a certain light. My grace is all you need. This is the power of scripture. Because when you sit with it, you don't just ask questions of it, you allow it to ask questions of you. And I love what Paul's writing. He says, my power He's quoting Jesus, my power works best in weakness. I sat with a guy today, and he was so honest and human and tender and real, and he shared with me his weakness. And I just saw Christ at work. I've been around guys who are trying to prove because I've been around myself, and I've been around guys who are trying to act like they have it all together, because I've been around myself, but when I get around people who understand that Christ's power is at work in weakness, and that grace is all you need, it's like, that's what I want to be about. Continues on, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Can you imagine if we, Northview, we're a church that says we're gonna boast, but we're gonna boast about our weakness. Like, I'm gonna boast that literally in 2020, it should be 2020-20 because I gained 20 more pounds. Let's just boast about it, right? Let's just boast about the parts of us that aren't great. Let's just boast about the parts of us and I'm not talking about shame. No, the gospel's not about shame, but I'm talking about the places where we need grace We need God's power. We need Christ's work. And literally, when we try to power up, what we're saying is, I don't need you, Jesus. It's just pride. And it pushes people away. I know I get online and I see people and it's like they've curated this messiness. It's like this faux vulnerability that they're trying to put out. And I'm like, guys, just be you. Be honest, be human, be real, but be honest about your need for Jesus. You have nothing to prove in the kingdom of God. It's grace, that's all you need. The truth is grace will find you, but secondly, grace will always find you out. Because God's relentless for all of you. Nothing to prove. Second, nothing to lose. And This has been really important for me. Because sometimes I'm holding on. I'm clenched fists. Man, some of them might try and take this from me. I'm living with scarcity. This theory of limited good. Like there's no like free refills. Like I, I'm just holding on for dear life. And then you read the Gospels. 
You get into the book of Matthew, you start reading Jesus' words, and you see this. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And you read this, and you're like, wait, wait, what? We've seen people who just try to find their identity in something else. And it's like they co-opt this thing to tell them that they're okay. And they end up losing themselves. And Jesus so beautifully saying is like, whoever loses their life for my sake is gonna find me. And when you find me, I'm gonna give you this overflowing, abundant, full, filled to the brim life, a life that can allow you just to exhale. Friends, I, I don't want us to know Jesus. I want us to live Jesus. I want us to walk through this life with Jesus. He's our only hope. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and lastly, nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. I, I love this verse, and this is just something that I think, again, Go to the Gospels. <laughs> Jesus just says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. This is what we call Twitter. <laughs> and it's crazy. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even believe it. But everything right now is just being brought into the light. You have people who are passing and their former sins after their death are being brought into the light. And, and I, I think it's actually important that some of these abuses are being brought into the light, but I'm just here to say, man, it wouldn't it be more amazing if we had such a healthy understanding of grace that we could say, I'm struggling. If we could be really, really honest to say, I actually have an addiction problem. I mean, you can be really, really honest and say, you know what, during COVID, I probably drank too much. During COVID, I escaped here too much. Can you imagine if we as a church can say, hey, we don't have a lot of things right, but we have this unbelievable view of Jesus, this unbelievable view of grace, this unbelievable view that like we're literally, none of us in this room have arrived, none of us are perfect. The only one is perfect was someone who hung on a cross. And when you get that close to Jesus, and you really begin to look at Jesus, and you look at your life, and you look at his perfection, and you look at your imperfection, and you see him, and you look at you, and all of a sudden he's like, still, I want a relationship with you. It doesn't make sense. And what's so confounding to me is in the church, the way to say yes to Jesus is to admit I was wrong. But somehow, after we say yes to Jesus, we struggle with ever admitting that we're wrong. And it's hard for the Spirit of God to do his best work if we're boxing him out, bringing drop-down ceilings over our heart, putting bluish-green carpet over our heart. And Jesus is just simply saying, hey, hey, can I let the light in? But when you've got a vision, and you've got an intention, and you've got means, every choice you can run it through this grid, is this choice gonna help me live out this vision? Are these practices literally gonna help me live out this vision? So for like nothing to prove, 
My buddy Mike and I, we did one month of confession and then we did one month of solitude. And it wasn't like we spent a month by ourselves and that's, that's not it, but we spent an hour each day just in silence and solitude. And we just started walking and praying and I was like, one hour of my day, I just wanna not actually try and create something. I want God to create something new in me. The next month, nothing to lose. We spent a month trying to figure out fasting. I don't fast, obviously. <laughs> I'm like literally just began to say, I gotta go without. And we're in this Lenten season. And Lenten season is like a time where you tell yourself no and you literally are like, I'm gonna decrease so that Christ can increase more in me. And there's something powerful when you know yourself so well where you're like, you know what? I, I can't just have one drink and so what I'm gonna do is tell myself no because why? I don't ever wanna let go of this anchor. And when you begin to live like that, what you're saying is the vision that I have to be more Christ-like is the most important thing. And what I think we found out in 2020 across the US is that, it, that Jesus was one of the most important things. And that's what we gotta actually be honest about. I'm excited about this next series, The Great Awakening, because literally, I think for many of us, we're like hungry going, I need more of Jesus. I need that grace. I need that story. But I want you to think right now of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to think, and I love Northview because it doesn't matter what campus you're a part of, it doesn't matter if you're watching online, but like you're literally challenge addicts. Nobody just comes up and just says, hey, be like Jesus, and you clap and you walk away. Like you're like, teach me, challenge me, I want to be more like Jesus. So I'm gonna name the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I got so nervous I was gonna forget one. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Kokomo. Um, and <laughs> And here's what I want you to do. One of those words I want you just to grab hold of. One of those words, if you really did like literally think about your life going, man, I'm really struggling with patience. I'm really struggling with self-control. I'm really struggling with faithfulness. I'm really struggling with goodness. I'm really struggling in this season right now with actually peace. And if you're one of those words resonate with you, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say the word, I want you to raise your hand because I want every one of us, and if you're online, I want you to type it in the chat room. I want you to name which word that you go, I need this word more in my life. How many of you would say I need more love in my life? Nine of you, well done. All right, how many would say joy? How many need more joy in my life? Yeah, I see that hand, yeah. How many of you would say peace? A lot of peace, yeah. Love, joy, peace. Patience, yes. <laughs> you didn't even wait. You're like, yeah, patience. <laughs> I beat you. You know what I mean? Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, Whew. yeah. Gentleness, you're a parent. 
goodness, faithfulness, yeah, self-control. Someone's like, yeah, that's me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, if you chose that word, I want you to go home tonight and I want you to actually think about that word and I want you to come up with a statement, almost like a life anchored in Jesus and it can be as simple as a life anchored in Jesus is one that has peace in every situation. A life anchored in Jesus has patience even with the most difficult people. A life anchored in Jesus showcases gentleness to all. A life anchored in Jesus. And all of a sudden, I want you to write that down and I want you to share it with your spouse or some close friend of yours. And I want you to say, this month, this is what I'm gonna try and do. And what's yours? And they're like, I didn't go to church. Well, you need to listen to this message. But then, then I want you to talk about it. And then I want you to get really, really curious every day when all of a sudden you have a choice to be impatient or to reflect on the vision that God has given to you about patience or peace or faithfulness or gentleness. And when you start to see it, you're gonna feel the enemy going, no, 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 come over here, come over here, drop your anchor, come over here, drift, 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 and you're gonna be like, no, I'm not drifting. And you might have to step away from Facebook, but this is the most important thing, Jesus. It's the most important thing for people to see in you is Jesus. The most important thing for people to see and experience in you is Jesus. The most important thing for your spouse to be seen in you is Jesus. Your kids, Jesus, 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 Jesus is the most important, but we don't just drift towards Jesus. We gotta show intentionality. And if you're actually gonna choose patience or peace, Think about some practice that will help you do it. For instance, patience, try your best to not have the last word. That's really hard, especially when you're right. <laughs> and the other person's wrong. And you just have to bite your lip. And you're like, and then you walk away and you get in your Toyota Corolla and you go, they were wrong! And Jesus is like, I know, that's my whole life. <laughs> right? And then you're like, yeah. And you're like, Jesus, teach me. How did you do this? How did you show patience to me? How did you show patience to her? And he's like, this is how we do it. And little by little, these practices, by your intentionality, by that vision, and you sharing it honestly with a friend and person in this church, friends, I'll tell you what. Fast forward three months, four months, there's gonna be a fruit of patience because of the embodied will, because of your choices that Jesus would have renovated your heart and the light had come in and people are gonna see you in a much more different and profound and discipleship-oriented way. And people will leave your presence, and they're like, that's more like Christ. Northview, that's my dream for you. I 
don't want us to be people who talk about Jesus. I want us to have an anchor that we put down that no matter what comes at us, we know that it can hold in any storm, any pandemic, anything that the enemy will throw at us because he's not stealing, killing, and destroying this heart because this heart has been renovated for God's goodness. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you, and then our campus pastor is going to come up and lead us in our next time of this service. God, thank you. I know for many people in this this room right now, there's a longing to make a difference, and there's a longing to be more like Christ. But I think every one of us has gone through a season where we're like, how do I do it? How do I do it? And I'm praying that we wouldn't be the kind of people who just get in our cars and go get food, but we'd be the kind of people who dive into your word, who grab one of those fruit of the spirit, and we say, God, help me become this. Help me become more like your son. And give us awareness to where the enemy is trying his best to not let us become shaped and formed like your son. God, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I'm praying that people would experience freedom and breakthrough in their lives because of their depth with you. None of us are gonna be perfect, so let us be kind to ourselves and remember grace, grace, grace is all we need. Teach us, Lord, we love you. You love this church. You believe in this church. You believe in the people of this church. And I pray that your son would just radiate through this church. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.